Broadcasting from the great state of Oklahoma, this is Raw Tools. University of Oklahoma defensive lineman Leron Stokes joining me today. Talking about new head coach Brent Venables, the upcoming Alamo Bowl game versus Oregon, and being coached by Bob Stoops, legendary former OU coach, now the interim football coach. This is not an OU podcast, however, the last couple of weeks, that's been the story. Uh, The Sooners have been front and center in the news from Lincoln Riley leaving in the middle of the night to go to USC. That forced us to do an emergency podcast. That's why the show dropped Monday night. And now the Sooners have Clemson defensive coordinator Brent Venables appointed their new head coach. Venables had been the OUDC a long time ago under Stoops. He was there for about a decade. And before that, he was an assistant under Bill Snyder at Kansas State in the 90s. So an excellent coaching tree, excellent mentorship in his career. Love the statements coming out from Clemson today. Dabo Sweeney saying, you know, sad to see a leave, but grateful that you have this opportunity. Thankful that uh, you spent 10 years in South Carolina. Um, They'll miss him for sure. So a lot of love to go around between Clemson and Oklahoma fans. I shared space once uh, in a cubicle with a coworker. And one day she and I are talking about our dreams and plans for the future, kind of getting to know each other. And she asks me where I saw myself going and if I want to do what I do at this company long term. And I said at the time, you know, I'm not so sure. I'm in my 20s comes down to salary, responsibilities, work-life balance, all that. I turn the question around on her and I say, would you ever move on? And quickly she says, no, 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 absolutely not. I'm a stayer. When I find a role at a job I like, plant my roots there. That's what I'm doing here. My husband has his job. I've got mine. Our family's in place. We've got this good thing going. So my role is to park it here do my job and stay here as long as I can. Don't make any ripples. When looking for a new football coach, a stayer is what OU Athletic Director Joe Castiglione was looking for. A program guy. Someone who had long-term staying power. Someone a lot like Bob Stoops, who's going for his 191st career win as an interim head coach when the Sooners play the Oregon Ducks in the Alamo Bowl. Coaching searches focus a lot on fit. Uh, Winning will cure that question about fit for a little while. However, the value of a winning coach, however smart and successful and powerful they may be, it's only good for as long as that person stays with the team. You'll see schools try and go for the hip, hot, young, up-and-comer, the can't-miss coaching prospect. And OU tried that with Lincoln Riley. And it worked until it didn't. Florida is trying that right now. Notre Dame is trying that right now. Maybe it works, maybe it doesn't. The point I made last week in my monologue about Lincoln Riley and that news was that these jobs, they're transitory. If you stay at a place longer than five years, you're the exception, not the rule. How many coaches have parked it 
at their school for 10 years. How many stayers do we have? Brian Kelly just took his name off the list, left Notre Dame after 10 seasons, went to LSU. There have been seven Power 5 coaches currently at their school for more than 10 years. Kirk Ferentz, Iowa. Mike Gundy at Oklahoma State. Kyle Whittingham at Utah. Pat Fitzgerald, Northwestern. Nick Saban at Alabama. Dabo Sweeney at Clemson. David Shaw at Stanford. All of them have had success and have cemented their place there. They're glued in. The hope is that Brent Venables joins those ranks. If he wins, and he does it consistently, doesn't make too much racket, not a whole lot of distractions, he should be fine. There's a great video circulating online. It's doubled in views the last couple of days. When I first saw it, it had about 3,000 views, and now it's up to about 6,000, 7,000. That's how rabid this OU fan base is to learn about their new head coach. But this great video, Brent Venables is sharing his life story at a fundraiser for a nonprofit. This is back in South Carolina. The nonprofit is called Ripple of One, and they help families in poverty, which is a huge problem in rural South Carolina. Venables was essentially born into homelessness. He was born at a military base in Homestead, Florida. When he's two, his dad decides doesn't want anything to do with the family anymore. Breaks up the family, gets a divorce. They can't stay on the base anymore. So the military <laughs> ships Brent Venable's mother and her kids uh, out to Salina, Kansas. That is a real place. I don't know where. The so-called father figures that end up coming into Venable's life uh, were very abusive. Alcohol and violence, very prevalent. He saw a lot of things very early in his life on how not to treat women, how not to raise a family, and essentially being told along with his siblings that they would never amount to anything. His family spent time living in an abused women's shelter. In the video, Venables describes spending holidays uh, sitting alone in a room just crying on his own. And he promised himself at that time he'd never develop a drinking problem. And they were on food stamps. The family would get a child support check each month from his absent father, saying no booze, no cigs. It was just a couple hundred dollars. His mom worked several jobs to make ends meet. She painted houses. She worked on a chinchilla farm. And despite those conditions... Venables promised himself that he would amount to something. He wanted to provide for his mom. He wanted to make his family great. He wanted to pursue sports. Ended up walking on at Kansas State. He wanted to get a bachelor's degree. He learned how to stick with something for the long term. And so when it comes to commitment and a stayer and a program guy... Brent Venables has had so much life experience and overcome so much hardship to get to the point where he is today. He's evolving and has been evolving as a defensive coordinator at Oklahoma, going to Clemson, and now taking on his first full-time head coaching job. It's scary. It's a new adventure. He's challenging himself. 
It's 270 days till kickoff. Oklahoma has its coach, and he's a stayer. You know who else needs a stayer? Oregon. The Ducks football team just lost their head coach, Mario Cristobal, after he got pried away by Miami. Miami, by the way, is very content playing supervillain this offseason. Doesn't even have an athletic director. The search, they're running concurrent athletic director and coaching searches. There are way too many cooks in the kitchen when it comes to their board, their boosters. The powers that be decided that this was the prime time to go on a coaching search because eh, it's been three years. Manny Diaz uh, wasn't just quite getting the job done. So Diaz, third-year head coach, out on the road recruiting despite all this news leaking out that the U is going to move on from him. And uh, he went 7-5 and five this season, underwhelming, 21-15 and 15 overall, winning record. But Miami wanted that hot new thing, up-and-comer in Cristobal. Which is also crazy because Cristobal is four years older than Manny Diaz. The Hurricanes want to be relevant so bad, they'll do all the unethical things to make it happen. And you don't have to feel bad for Manny Diaz. He's getting paid $3 million a year. He will have a significant buyout. And by the way, he left Temple after 18 minutes on the job to take the Miami gig after Mark Richt retired. So it cancels itself out. <laughs> but that's a story for another time. As I was saying about Oregon, they haven't had a coach stay around for more than four years since Mike Bellotti retired. And that was back in 2008. And the stock, the national brand that is Oregon Athletics, Nike U, has only become bigger and grander and more relevant since then. Chip Kelly took them to new heights. Mark Helfrich and Marcus Mariota had them in the national championship game. And yet, no one wants to stay in Eugene too long. Chip Kelly went to the NFL. He's already back in the Pac-12. He's at UCLA. Willie Taggart left after one season, which in retrospect was a horrible idea. Cristobal now wants to go home to Miami, which is crazy because Oregon can be a national power. It still has time to take advantage of this power vacuum that's existed in the Pac-12 for the past like 12, 13 years. USC isn't back. Give them a couple years under Lincoln Riley. Washington had a few good years, but meh. Utah, Arizona State, Cal can all be fine, never elite. There is no superpower. Oregon needs a coach that's in it for the long haul. To, as Brent Venables said in his news release the other night, make a decade plus of memories. Last week, something great happened. I had three panelists on, uh, between Tyler Jones, Thomas Bridges, and Brian O'Connor, Coach Bo. I offered a controversial opinion, and they all disagreed. I took Lincoln Riley's side, which, which is not a popular opinion, about leaving Oklahoma and how he left, and I was in favor of more mobility and detachment among coaches. My bottom line, which maybe I didn't get across as clearly as I wanted to, was that 
we're all for sale. At some point, we cave. There is a selling price. And the three gentlemen on my podcast did not agree with my take, which I love. It was a healthy debate. It's a great episode. Go back and listen to it if you didn't. But in expressing my opinion, I would never, and I don't want to, try and tell fans how to feel. It's not what this is about. And I realize, to some, I may sound a bit callous in that last episode. It's very business. It's very brass tacks. And I did not get great reception on my Twitter um, when Lincoln Riley left, when that news broke. I believe it was Matt Zenitz of On3 Sports, or Zenitz, I don't know how to pronounce it. I was pulling out of an In-N-Out burger when I saw that news on my phone. And I, my natural reaction, gut reaction, is to laugh. That is way too serious, way too breaking and sudden that I'm pulling out of this driveway and I've just belly laughed. Like, oh man, <laughs> here we go. I don't do particularly well in those situations. And that abrupt exit, just my gut reaction was to go on Twitter, quote tweet Matt Zenitz and say, ha ha ha. Recruits didn't like it. And I caught a few blocks that day. But really, that's just my coping mechanism is that this is the best day ever. I realize in that moment, we all feel different things when news hits and devastates some of us. In tragic situations, yes, I put on a serious face. I can handle that. But in terms of sports, when the big bomb news hits, it's the best day ever for me. I've been in those situations too many times, too many protests, too many walkouts, too many firings, uh, too many coaches being left on the tarmac. I've seen it all. I felt it. I've experienced it. I've been in this field for a while. So that is my reaction. I've learned to like chaos. When I go to my circle of hell, it's going to be the sowers of discord. If you don't get that reference, read Dante's Inferno. It's a classic. It's good stuff. So for me, the Brian Kelly, Lincoln Riley, Mario Cristobal moves are bewildering, but they're kind of awesome. They're unexpected. And I know fans of Oregon and Notre Dame and Oklahoma are... Deeply invested, and they actually have some stake in this. They feel betrayed. They feel angry. They feel used. Players feel uneasy. Some are lost. They don't know what to do. And rather than force my feelings on other people, I've been enlightened. There's a really good book out there called Letting Go, The Pathway of Surrender by Dr. David Hawkins. It's a psychology book. It's nonfiction. And it's one of my favorite books I've read, probably top 10 nonfiction of all time, because I keep going back to it. I've taken a lot of notes on it, and I keep getting insightful things out of it that I can apply to my life and that I agree with. It helps me become a better person, a healthier person. And also in this book, there are sections that are batshit insane, that border on law of attraction type stuff that I do not buy into. And that's good for me, at least when you can parse between what you like and what you don't like and what you can and can't use from a book. There are very few absolutes in life. 
But the premise of this book, which I agree with wholeheartedly, is that rather than suppressing emotions and bottling up stuff to make you unwell, physically, mentally, emotionally, you need to feel those feelings and let them sit and resonate, especially the negative ones. Whatever emotion is there, you observe it, you feel it fully, and you let it go. And when you let go of a negative emotion, Hawkins says, you move on to a higher state of being. When you feel the low-level emotions of desperation and helplessness, you can move on, once you've felt them fully and let them go, you can move on to something more constructive like anger or pride. And you can let that go and move on to peace and joy. It's a really good book. Obviously, the message is not to act impulsively on those feelings. Don't go haywire. Don't do anything illegal. But feel those emotions powerfully. My message to Oklahoma fans, and not just them, but everyone going through a wild sports fandom, and Lord knows there are suffering fan bases out there in the NBA, in the NFL, MLB. Feel those feelings. Today, for example, Tuesday, you may be over the moon about Brent Venables. You may think he's the second coming. He's the guy. National championship on the way. Got my tickets for the natty. Good. Maybe you're uneasy and nervous. It's first time head coach. I don't know if he's going to work. Is he the answer? I don't know. I'm nervous. Lean into it. And this also applies to Lincoln Riley. If you still feel resentment and anger towards Lincoln Riley, or that boy out west, as he's being called, tap in. Tap into that feeling. Get it out. Feel that white hot anger and loathing and hurt so that by the time Oklahoma is competing for that title again, which could be all of nine months from now, the program is fine. You can look back on this and say, I've let go of that. I don't even think about Lincoln Riley anymore. Theron Stokes coming up. My guest today is a defensive lineman at the University of Oklahoma, finishing up his super senior year, working on his master's degree. Uh, Tulsa native, it's Laron Stokes. Laron, how are you today? I'm doing good. Thank you for having me. Fantastic. I'm going to cut right to the chase. OU football coach Brent Venables. What was your first impression of him? Um, I just thought it was pretty cool to get to see him on the uh... – on the, on the, during the team meeting last night, you know, you hear all these things, especially when the head coaching job became vacant here. And then you see all this stuff on Twitter. Let's get Venables in here. Let's get Venables. And you just know about that old OU defense of the past with some of those great players that we used to have. So it definitely was the hype there. And then getting to see him in the team meeting today and last night, I mean, you just, the, his demeanor is serious, but his energy is infectious. So, I mean, everybody was excited to see him. He got a big round of applause when we saw him on the Zoom meeting and in person. So everybody was excited and Everybody's uh, ready for the future. What did he say in the team meeting today that stood out to you? Um, one of the things he stood out to me was that uh, they're going to serve the player, the player's heart, and not their talent. In other words, meaning that it doesn't matter kind of uh, how good you are. If you're not doing the right things, 
then you know you, you kind of won't reap the benefits. It's not going to be a just play because you're good. I mean, I mean, and not not like we had like a, a bad issue with that in the past, but just that you know, just coming from like uh, a different a different viewpoint. You know, he's coming in new. He doesn't really have the uh, the relationships yet with some of the players, so everybody's starting on the same blank slate. So that's pretty cool. Just to everybody on the on the same uh, playing field. In your experience, when a coach taps into a player's heart, like you said, Coach Venable said, what is the most effective way of that taking place? Uh, just relationship building. And that's something else that he stressed a lot, was just uh, building relationships. And he doesn't want anybody, uh, like, like I mean, we have a great staff, but he doesn't want anybody there that's not, you know, a, a great relationship person. Like, he just wants to be true, a family-oriented uh family-oriented uh, organization. So that's pretty exciting to see. You had mentioned it's a fresh start for a lot of people. Coaches and players don't really know each other. How much uneasiness and tentativeness and nervousness do you feel? I imagine it's almost kind of like a first date kind of feeling out, trying to get to know, get to know each other. How does that dynamic uh, really take place? I mean, it's definitely you're just new. I, w- I wouldn't say nervous because I, I think it's more excitement than nervousness just with his track record. And we've seen what that Clemson defense have been uh, recently and what OU was in the past. So especially for a lot for a lot of us defensive players and for a lot of the young guys on the defensive end, just to have that going forward and to be up under a, a head coach like that is is exciting. And, you know, we'll we'll see what happens here in the future. When you first hear the name Brent Venables come up in the coaching search, because you're following the rumors, you're active on social media. Mm-hmm. How early in the process did you jump on YouTube or, or jump into Google and try to dig up information about Coach Venables? Uh, I mean, you didn't even have to really search too much. You just get to see everything on Twitter, like especially when his name became a real, a real, um, a, uh, a likely option. You just look on Twitter and you just kind of see his resume and. You know, you just know some of the players that he's coached, like uh, Tommy Harris and and players like that, and some of those other great uh, D linemen and DBs and all that, all, all of that. So you just kind of get excited once you start seeing uh, the kind of talent that he's had and produced. In the team meetings, how much did he share about his upbringing, his childhood, and how he got to where he is today? Uh, he definitely gives a lot of a lot of credit to Coach Bob Stoops. So I mean. So that was pretty cool. Just like a couple of OU legends, pretty much in that sense, being able to share the stage when uh, back when he was coming up and got his first big DC job here. But I mean, he hasn't really tapped into his uh, past too much. But I mean, over the course of these next few weeks, he definitely said he's going to just to. But I mean, everything is so hectic right now. So I can imagine it's super hectic. It's really interesting. There have been a few articles. There's a really good YouTube video that I'm going to talk about. Uh, in my uh, monologue for my podcast where he was at some charity event in Clemson or in South Carolina and was kind of telling his story about how he grew up. I mean, he, it was really kind of the lowest of the low situations. His family was shipped out to Kansas and they really, I mean, were living off paycheck to paycheck. His mom worked multiple jobs. Like it's really incredible to kind of see how he went from that to being the premier assistant coach in college football and now a, a, a major head coach at a major program like Oklahoma. So uh, over the over the next couple of weeks, I think you'll be really impressed and surprised, but seems like a really high character guy. And you mentioned you get to get coached by the legendary Bob Stoops, 190 career wins. How mm-hmm. has he been received in the building? 
Uh, you know, it, when when he walks in, everybody knows the deal. Like, I mean, he's he's what like Oklahoma kids like me grew up watching and always, you know, dr- dreamt of playing for it. So just to be up under his system and or just just up under his tutelage and guidance, I mean, it, it's pretty great because he has the championship pedigree. He, he's he's always been a winner, always will be a winner. So uh, it was just like kind of a dream come true because you grow up. My favorite player of all time is Adrian Peterson, and, and you know, like. People like that just grew up playing for Bob Stoops. So you just kind of have that thing like, man, like for a basketball player, that's like playing for Coach K or, or Coach Pop at the NBA level. It's just something you always wanted to do. So it was pretty cool. You watched Adrian Peterson growing up. You saw Bob Stoops on television. When was the first time you were in the same room or, or met Bob Stoops in person? Um, it was probably during my first spring, just seeing him at a practice. And it was just like, just, just random. It's just like, you look over and you just see, is that, is that who I think it is? And it's like, you kind of get starstruck. It's like, man, he's a hall of famer. Like, I mean, not at the time, but I mean, just seeing him now, just being a hall of famer. And I mean, you knew he was going to be at that point as well. So it was just kind of cool. Take me through that moment then when sadly coach Riley leaves and there's this vacancy and then it's announced that, Bob Stoops is going to be your coach for one game. Mm-hmm. What comes to mind? Um, the first thing that comes to mind is, I mean, it kind of puts the organization at ease, knowing that he's been around. And even though he wasn't the head coach, he, he's been around. So he's been at practices, you know, just involved in the program. So he kind of knows the what's going on and just the experience level that he has. You know, it doesn't make you, uh, I'm, I'm nervous uh, or what, what's going to happen. So, you know, I mean, just, just trusting in him and, and his plan. It just nobody, uh, nobody was uh, really shook or nervous or anything. We just once he came in, he set the tone, told us how, uh, what was going to be going on moving forward, and so we all trusted in him. And then he went on on the road recruiting that night. That that's insane. Yeah. what happened? So correct me if I'm wrong here, but this is your last game, right? Correct. Yeah, you took advantage of the the COVID option year, but you had transferred from NEO. You played two years. This is the final game for you. So you won't get to play for coach Venables next season, uh, but you do have an interesting uh, dynamic where you have influence over players, younger guys who can choose whether or not they stay at OU or if they leave, what is your advice to your younger teammates? Um, My advice would be just to like trust the process. You know, this is Oklahoma. This is just, it's a winning culture. And it's always going to be like that. It was like that before the coaching change. It's going to be like that after the coaching change. So my advice to them would be, I mean, you see the the kind of the coaching and the coaching that they, they brought in already. So you bring in a coach like Coach Brent Venables and you know he's going to get somebody great on on the offensive side of the ball. And so, I mean, you just got to you just you just trust him, trust somebody like that, that's, that has that kind of pull in the coaching world and. People like, I mean, the University of Oklahoma attracts coaches in and of itself. So you get a coach like that coupled with the university, and you're gonna you're gonna be in good hands in the future. You followed the social media mob. They, they were very, they felt betrayed of how Coach Riley left the program, uh, and it's even kind of trickled into you know, Isaiah Thomas calling out Coach Riley on Instagram with his mecca of college football comment. Um, how productive of fuel is that? for this team moving forward from coach Riley uh, that you guys have to keep writing your own story after mm-hmm. your former coach left. Yes. I mean, 
I mean, it's pure, just kind of how it went down. I mean, no, no no disrespect to him, you know, just, I mean, I always do what you feel like is best for you. But going forward, we just want to prove that that we are as good as we know that we are and that, you know, just, I don't know how to say it, but you, you kind of, you, you know, you just want to go out there and just be great, as good as you can be and, and ball out for the next coach, whoever comes in and show them that you are worth staying for, pretty much. Both. Coach Riley and defensive coordinator Alex Grinch were integral in bringing you onto campus out of, out of NEO. How did their leaving the way they did affect you? Uh, I mean, I, I was very shocked. I mean, at the end of the day, you know it's a business, but I mean, I I, I respect, you know, leaving, you know, it's, it's your life, you do what you have to do, but I just wish they would have went about it in, in sort of a different way. But I mean, it is what it is. You can't change the past, but you know, like one thing that Coach Brendan is saying right now, the, the rear view mirror is smaller than the windshield for a reason. So you just got to see what's ahead of you and not focus too much on what's behind. So That's a good analogy. Uh, Alamo Bowl coming up. How much have you looked at Oregon? Uh, I mean, you know, getting to play Oregon, Nike University is pretty cool. It's a big opportunity. So you just always want to ball out against any team, especially a, a, a big name program that has always produced players and that will continue to do the same. They're also looking for a coach. Uh, what can you tell us? Anything you've seen from them? Uh, we haven't even really gotten to the game plan yet. We're just trying to, during this whole array of things, I mean, you just watch a little bit of film. You know that they, they're they they're a sound unit. They got playmakers on both sides of the ball. Like, their, their running back is pretty good. And, you know, defense, obviously, they have uh, Kayvon Thibodeau and then the, the linebacker. So, we just want to trust what we can do and be, be ready for them whenever we get to there. You said you grew up watching Adrian Peterson in those mid-2000s Oklahoma teams on TV. How aware are you of you know, the past games that have gone awry, particularly that 2006 game uh, in Eugene? Oh, man, I mean, it's just, just one of those games. I, I don't know. It's just we, we just want to come out and do, the, do what they did or what they couldn't, you know, but – I mean, they just had some great players, so you know Oregon is going to be the same, so we just want to do the same thing and just ball out, just be who yeah. we can. Uh, you mentioned it's just been super hectic, uh, the changes, the uncertainty, everything going on. How has the attitude been inside that locker room and inside that training room with so much change going on? Um, at first, it was just a lot of uncertainty just in group chats and things like that, but right now it's looking everything is looking real optimistic. Um, everybody's got their, their, their hopes up now. You know, you get a head coach like him. You start seeing, like, who he might bring in just to replace some of the coaches who have left and, and things like that, or just, just knowing what the level of coaches that he can bring in. So everybody's optimistic about the future and the future of the program. And just to see some of those commits double down on their commitments, despite those who've left, it kind of just, you know, adds fuel to our fire in here. That's good to see things. Are, it was a particularly optimistic day today with the press conference and, and people doubling down on their commitments. Inside those group chats, and you don't have to get super specific with this, but for players who are deciding whether or not to stay on campus, what are some of the concerns, the major concerns in, in times of uncertainty? Uh, I mean, I don't really think that there are really any major concerns. I know I mean, even if they it, – it's a fresh start regardless. You know, you leave somewhere, it's a fresh start. But a new coaching staff is the same thing as a fresh start here. So, 
I mean, people just really want to do what's best for them. And at, at first, you know, they didn't kind of know, they didn't really know who was coming in. So they weren't sure what was best. But now you get a coach like Brent and just, just knowing who he can bring in, you kind of get a feeling that, okay, staying here probably would be the best thing for me still. So. Yeah. I've heard it said that you kind of, it's the say it out loud theory, like, the rumors about Coach Venables coming to Oklahoma, there's some uncertainty. There's some, I don't know, it's a first-time head coach. But once you finally see it, that's really all it takes for you to believe. Uh, how much of that, just seeing it before your eyes, your teammates in a team meeting with a new head coach, did it feel authentic and feel right? No, it, def- it definitely felt right. Like, when soon, like, like I said, as soon as he stepped in, just big round of applause, everybody was, was excited for him to be there, and his energy is infectious. So – I mean, you mix that with his, with his uh very like a, a serious demeanor, but not not too serious. If I can, if that if that makes sense, but you just know that he's a no nonsense type of guy. But at the same time, he's all about you know let let let's do this, let's have fun, let's do it the right way. Like winning is a byproduct of doing the things the right way. So you get a coach like that that that's done it at the highest level, that's that's been here, been at Clemson, among other places, and you know you just kind of get the a good feeling about everything. He's got a pretty sharp sense of humor. Seems like a fun guy, a really smart guy. This is your final game as a Sooner. Yes. What do you need to prove? Uh, I just just need to prove to Sooner Nation that, that, that we are in good hands, you know, that, that we got their backs just the same way that, that they have ours. So we just want to go out and put a good showing on and improve why we came here. You know, you come to OU to win and to put yourself in the best opportunity for the future, whether that be the NFL or using your degree. So, I mean, we just want to prove ourselves in, in any way that we can. What's next for you? Uh, my personal goals, like I, I definitely want to get ready to train for the pro day and things like that and just just test my hand at the, at the next level. You know, not, nothing is guaranteed, but at the same time, you know, you, you came this far, so, so why not? Why, why would I stop here, you know? And if things don't, don't happen the way I wanted to, I'll, I'll end up with – I have a degree already, and I'm trying to get my master's. So a master's degree is a nice fallback plan. So That's a great tool in the tool belt. I will say it was an honor to watch you play. You've got one more chance to tear up some offenses. Um, Sooner Nation is going to be really thankful and grateful for what you've done. And uh, you'll always be remembered as, uh, as a Sooner. So um, that's incredible, man, and I wish you all the best. All right. Thank you. Thank you, Laron. It's Laron Stokes joining the podcast. I am going to skip my college football playoff rankings and NFL rankings this week. One, because Studio Soapbox already did its top four poll, and we agreed with the teams that the committee decided on. We didn't agree on the order necessarily. I think they got it right. I just really I don't want the national championship game to be Alabama and Georgia, although that's what this is all leading to. And the NFL, I've, I've been all over recently. I haven't paid much attention. I've been kind of bored recently. So it's Arizona and New England for me right now at the top. A lot of good teams in the NFC. But we've got a couple of more episodes before the new year. We'll probably tape a couple leading up to Christmas, and we'll be good to go when the new year starts. See you next week.